You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. From outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is a Christmas week edition of the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. We do wish you all and your families a Merry Christmas uh, as uh, we get ready for week 16 in the NFL. I'm Dave Griffiths, joined remotely by Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. Great show coming up. Great matchup coming up. Certainly looked like a better matchup three or four weeks ago, but we'll get to that too. This is Sunday's Colts-Steelers game in Pittsburgh. We'll talk keys to the game, make pr- some predictions. But first, we will start with some news around the NFL. And uh, first of all, just one with a little bit of a Colts connection. That is the Texans announced they have interviewed former Colts head coach Jim Caldwell for their head coaching job. Uh, So, uh, Mike, a familiar face, could be back in the AFC South. He certainly saw some good success when he was here with the Colts after Tony Dungy left. And uh, his uh, tenure in Detroit was uh, perhaps some would argue shorter than he deserved. But nevertheless, uh, I think uh, Jim Caldwell's name will will come up once or twice in um, in head coaching vacancies based on probably how many they're going to be this offseason. Yeah, this wouldn't it'd be great news for Caldwell. It wouldn't be great news for the Colts because this would be a step up for Houston. And and what I never thought he got the recognition he he earned. He was due here. Well, he took Tony Dungy's team, and no, that was a pretty good team. They they could very easily have run the table had they wanted to, and they were within a Hank Basket uh, onside kick recovery of probably winning another Super Bowl. And and again in Detroit. You think they regret letting him go? What, yeah. what, weren't they like nine and seven his last year? I think so. Yeah. Uh, so if you can keep the lines at nine and seven. I mean, geez, for crying out loud! Be careful what you ask for. And one thing to keep in mind, and it's it's often forgotten about Caldwell. Uh, he, he's he's a quarterback whisperer, maybe not of Bruce Arians' ilk, but he worked with Peyton Manning through through the heydays. And I think him getting Deshaun Watson would do wonders. Of course, you, you still need to block for the guy, but th- this would be a good move for the Texans if that's what if that's the direction they go. Now you mentioned uh, Peyton Manning and Joe. I'll, I'll direct it to you, saying that I mean he did pretty well with Matthew Stafford, who, who's had uh, when he was in when he was there in Detroit, who had several of his good best seasons there. Obviously, you have Calvin Johnson. Megatron certainly helps, but. Um, we, we've seen uh, great seasons from Matthew Stafford, and we've seen okay seasons. They've they, they've all been productive, as uh, he's going to be probably at the end of his career, or one of the uh, if not the NFL's. Uh, he has the the passing yards record, but uh, yeah, just echoing what Mike said, I think that um, Caldwell with Deshaun Watson would be incredibly dangerous for the next ten years. Oh yeah, I mean, like as Mike said earlier, it would be uh, bad news for the Colts because it's certainly. Good news for the Texans to get Caldwell, who is a more than competent head coach. And I mean, if he can improve Watson more than he's already been, that's a scary thing for the Colts and the rest of the NFL. And we, I was talking about this with uh, with the athletic Stephen Holder just this last week, and he does some work with us with uh, Fox Fifty Nine uh, for our and CBS Four for our uh, Colts coverage as well. And like we were just saying, and and Mike, I think you might have tweeted something similar to this this week that. Like, if you're looking at quarterbacks around the NFL right now that you want, I don't know if there's two quarterbacks that you would take over Watson right now. I mean, Mahomes is probably the one guy. I think a good number of people would argue for Aaron Rodgers. 
But but either Rodgers or Watson, Mike, I don't think you can go wrong with either of them at number two. Well, if I if I'm starting a, if I'm starting a franchise today with the, the quarterback's age, yeah, then I take Patrick Mahomes and then I take Deshaun Watson. I you know it, it's I know the flavor now is is maybe Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, but and maybe it's the fact that we've seen Watson play more in person. Could but, be, uh, but I, I think it's it's Houston's already ruined one quarterback, David Carr. Now whether Carr would have been that good, I don't know, but we'll never know because they beat the game out of him. But you've got to wonder the frustration level of Deshaun Watson. It reminds me of the of the Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, where, where, you know, what do I need to do? He's not there yet at all, but, but you can see the disappointment, the frustration with him and, and J.J. Watts. The difference is Watson's career is just starting and Watts is winding down. But uh, this kid is any, any, on any other team, he's when they talk MVPs, he's, he's second or third in, in the discussion. And quite possibly, uh, as we as we mentioned, the Texans could have uh, Jim Caldwell, perhaps, as their head coach next year, as he uh, received an interview uh, that the Texans announced they were interviewing him, uh, former Colts head coach Jim Caldwell, for their open job. Uh, one other piece of news to get to around the league this week, that is a Steelers legend and Hall of Fame linebacker Kevin Green has passed away at the age of 58. Uh, both the Pro Football Hall of Fame and uh, the Green family made that announcement, um, and um, Mike, I think uh, folks of the the younger generation don't realize how good Kevin Green was because he's not a name that you see in terms of I think he's not a name that comes up in in, in that era of great pass rushers. You get Reggie White, you'll get Lawrence Taylor, you'll get uh, Bruce, Bruce Smith, Smith, obviously, yeah, who's the NFL's all time sack leader. But but Kevin Green is the third all time leading sack master, whatever you want to call it, in the NFL with 160 for his career. He had longevity and he had tenacity. And, and he was he was certainly feared among NFL offenses for his career in the league. It's funny. When, when he was up uh, f- for the Hall of Fame a couple of years, it took him a few years. It took him several years to get in. And the knock always was, and this is crazy, well, that's all he does is set quarterbacks. <laughs> He's a one-trick pony. Okay. And then there's the fact that he played for whatever it is, four or five or six teams, and why did teams let him keep letting him go? But if you're a one-trick pony in a league where sacks are one of the top three or four stats that matter, and you're third all-time at what you do, yeah, it was a hollow argument. But it, again, it, it he he had that stigma. But I'm telling you, he 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 was what was right with the game. He attacked it. Uh, and he had fun doing it. He, he, he was the blend of NFL and WWE, and it was a great mixture. That, that's a, it's a weird argument to make, Mike, that, oh, he can only sack the quarterback, and right. that, that's what should, should put him on pause. Joe, I'll, I'll say, like, if you're an offensive coordinator or if you're, you're a left tackle or a right tackle, wherever, if a guy opposing you can only sack the quarterback, I still think you're going to be pretty concerned about that guy, right? Yeah, that might be my top thing that I worry about on a weekly <laughs> basis is trying to protect my quarterback. So, yeah, that is a silly argument. I mean, I could see when maybe some people would want more out of his ability to stop the run and whatnot. But this is a quarterback league, and he got after the quarterback better than most ever have. 
Yeah, and, and to be fair, like it, it, when you're discussing, as Mike does every year, places in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, like nitpicking is fine. Like you sh- you should nitpick these guys because they're they're going to be enshrined among the best to ever play the game. So 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 I'll get so I'll give everyone that. But uh, at the same time, you're like, okay, yeah, he can only sack the quarterback. Fine, <laughs> that, that that's cool. I'll, I'll take that. Um, and speaking of some of the best to ever play the game, some of the best in the league this year were recognized as Pro Bowlers. And I will note before we get into this discussion one thing, and that's that there's technically not going to be any Pro Bowl alternates this year because there is no Pro Bowl game that people in the Super Bowl would have to skip. So there's no Pro Bowl due to uh, COVID regulations. They're going to do a like a Madden Pro Bowl, so I'm sure uh, it'll still get a better number probably than, uh, than a regular NBA game on a weekly basis because people are crazy. But nevertheless... The Pro Bowl rosters are out, and we'll start with the good. Darius Leonard, Ryan Kelly, and Quentin Nelson are the three Colts to get recognized as Pro Bowlers. Now, the vote for Pro Bowlers is done three ways. Split evenly between a fan vote, a coach's vote, excuse me, and a player vote. So all three of those get bundled together, and they're weighted the same, and then... The Pro Bowl, uh, Pro Bowlers are announced, but you'll see that list, and I think none of us will argue that those three deserve a spot: Darius Leonard, Ryan Kelly, and Quentin Nelson. But at the same time, I think that there's one omission in particular, and we can talk about several. But I think we need to start with Mike DeForest Buckner is not a Pro Bowler, and that to me is completely baffling. Yeah. Now, one thing to keep in mind is is the voting was done before this last game when he had the three sacks. So but, but having said that, uh, the body of work was, was, was there. And uh, if you looked at all the mentions when the league put out the Pro Bowl and they said, well, who, who was, you know, who was snubbed? Who was the biggest snub? And so many of them from, from outside of Indy was, was DeForest Buckner, which shows you how he, he's seen across the league. Uh you know, and, and again, Joe's got here about the Chris Jones, Hayward, and, and Campbell. It, it, the, the stats just aren't, I mean, they're overwhelming for Buckner. And even DeVore's put out, you know, I, I never was the popular guy. Mm-hmm. And we, we make, you know, sometimes we make light of, well, it's just a Pro Bowl, and it's obvious that it's lost its its luster over the years because of things like this. But again, in the Hall of Fame room, it's, well, this guy played 16 years and he made, seven pro bowls and all pro. So it, it matters. And don't tell me it doesn't matter to players. Some of them have incentives in their contracts and it, it just, it's a sign of respect or for Darius Leonard disrespect. Remember how was he first team all pros a rookie and didn't mm-hmm. make pro ball. That makes so, sense. And one thing on Kelly, let's keep in mind, this is his first year to make it being named. If I'm not mistaken. He was an alternate last year. So, so that means something. Uh, yeah. And again, we've got a list of other other snub guys, but it's just it's hard to see how you don't have the the chops that that the forest had coming here, having this kind of a year, and not make it. It's it just sort of invalidates a lot of the a lot of the process. Yeah, Buck, Buckner's numbers are are right there, if not ahead of of everyone else who did make the Pro Bowl. And the three who made the Pro Bowl: Chris Jones with Kansas City. Um, What's his name? Hayward with uh, with Pittsburgh. What's his first name, Joe? I'm blanking. Uh, Cameron. Cameron Hayward with Pittsburgh. Thank you. And Calais Campbell uh, with uh, the Ravens. So 
So those are the three who made it. I mean, they've all made Pro Bowls in the past. They're all very fine players. But I think stacking up the numbers, uh, you, you, you think that Buckner uh, has just as much, if not more, of a say uh, that, than any of those three's got, three guys. Joe, what was your reaction to Buckner not being named to the Pro Bowl? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I mean, it makes more sense when you consider that his three-sack day on Sunday. You know, the voting was done before then, so seven-and-a-half sacks, you know, that's four-and-a-half, which is kind of in line with the rest of the players. I thought the least deserving on the list was Clayus Campbell. Uh, he's missed, I think, four games this year, 27 total tackles, four sacks. But again, by the time Pro Bowl voting was done, he had just about as much sacks as Buckner, and I think yeah. that's the one number a lot of people just look at. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you're not watching all the games, I could see how some of these big names, like you said, they've been voted there before and they, people just went with the big names over Buckner, but man, he, he, he's been not just one of the best defensive tackles, one of the best defensive players in the league this year. Like, I think his name should be considered for defensive player of the year for him to miss a pro bowl is a shame. There are several other Colts stubs, uh, that we will, uh, at least mention Kenny Moore has had a really good season, the cornerback. Uh, both tackles, Anthony Costanzo and then Braden Smith, have had pretty solid years themselves. And uh, also Rodrigo Blankenship is a kicker. I think he led uh, the the fan voting. At least he did up until very late. I think he might have led at the final say. But uh, all, all four of those guys uh, certainly at least have an argument. Uh, Joe, any one of those guys in particular that you thought was, uh, was notably snubbed? Uh, maybe not quite on the level of Buckner, but certainly deserved more of a look than they got. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I would say maybe Costanzo, just because of the guys who made it ahead of him. I would argue Costanzo's a better tackle than Eric Fisher. Costanzo's a better tackle than Orlando Brown. Uh, both are very good tackles, but in my opinion, Costanzo's better. So, And we see what happens when he's not in the game. So I, I think Costanzo should get a Pro Bowl. I'm not sure if he ever will. Um, but he's deserving. And then Kenny Moore as well, but the cornerbacks who made it, I mean, Xavier Howard has nine freaking interceptions yeah. this year. That's it's hard to argue against. Tredavious White is outstanding. Marlon Humphrey is outstanding. Stephon Gilmore made it ahead of him. I think he's a great cornerback. This is kind of a down year for him, but it's hard to get those nickel slot corners into the Pro Bowl um, because everyone knows the outside guys' names a little bit more. Yeah, it's, it's really a different position, Mike. It, it is. And when you talk about slot corners, I mean, Kenny Moore got the highest, um, the biggest salary, uh, the biggest contract for a slot corner just last um, preseason. Um, so I, I, the Colts certainly appreciate what he does at that position. Um, just the, the, the voting for Pro Bowl is still like you have fullback that's still there, which is basically not in the NFL anymore. Uh, it's just, and you go, you go four, three, where teams are three, four everywhere. And there are different interior positions. It's, it's hard at the end of the day to elect players at their specific position for some of those, uh, positions that aren't held or if that's the correct word by every team in the league. But if you're looking at slot corners in the NFL, just slot corners, it, it would be hard really to pick three or four guys that you would rather have than Kenny Moore, maybe even two guys that you'd rather have than Kenny Moore. Yeah, and that's one of those again where his position sort of works against him. Where he's a nickel. Well, yeah, he's, he's a dark he's a good nickel. Yeah. And the problem you run into also is, if I'm not mistaken, that like a, a tackle, I think three left tackles made it instead of two and two. No right tackles. Right. So, so again, and that's why you know Braden Smith is probably you no. Know, Reich went out of his way yesterday to just log Braden Smith, but you're a right tackle. You know, you're just a. It's like oh, you're just a guard. So, uh, and one thing to keep in mind, and it, it, it's great talking material, 
But we see these guys every week, and we see their value to this team and how they do when they're in it, and more than that, where this team is when they're not in it. You know, Costanzo, the offense kind of bogs down. Yeah. With the force Buckner, you know, Derrick Kenny ran for a thousand yards. And then when Kenny Moore wasn't in there last year in December, the defense kind of really tapered off. So, uh, and one thing, I'm surprised Joe didn't really go after Blankenship not making it. And it, it's a strong case. Uh, what, Justin Tucker, it's a kicker. And this is not, yeah. a, this is not a, a, a vintage Justin Tucker year. He's missed three field goals. He's missed uh, an extra point. But the, the thing with the Pro Bowl, and, and it's probably the one thing that's probably most flawed about it, is you don't make it when you first deserve to make it, and then you hang on a few years. And Jeff made the Pro Bowl his last year in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. He was Jeff Saturday, benched, yeah. He was benched that year. And that's no disrespect for, to Jeff, but that's, that's for reputation a lot of times. I've never been in favor I don't want to lose any any listeners now, but I've never been in favor of fans having such a heavy hand in, in the voting, and I'm not a super super fan of players because they they bring their own biases to the table. Uh, maybe that's a way of saying that it'd be nice if the media had some input, but uh, until that happens, this is what we've got. And and like it or not, I think the NFL likes it. We'll be talking Pro Bowl for the rest, of, you know, for next two or three days. And, and we'll, we'll be talking about it because, as we mentioned earlier, and as you mentioned, it, it matters because there are clauses in guys' contracts for Pro Bowl. You get a bump. There is discussion in uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting room at the end of their career saying, oh, this guy made this many Pro Bowls, but this guy only made this many Pro Bowls. Well, look at that. Um, and really, uh, there was something that I retweeted yesterday from uh, from SpotRack, which is a really nice uh, – salary cap website if you don't if you're not familiar but starting with the 2018 draft class and that is the quentin nelson darius leonard draft class first round picks um who make a pro bowl in their first three seasons will have their fifth year option valued at the transition tag price and uh two plus pro bowl selections means a fifth year option equal to the franchise tag price so that fifth year option that all first round draft picks have in their first contract um, is is much more highly valued if you make one Pro Bowl or two Pro Bowls. So Quentin Nelson is in the uh, is in the was he in the two plus group last year, uh, for that matter. Uh, and he's he's made three now uh, Pro Bowls in his first three seasons, which is which is uh, not unheard of, but certainly uh, uh, even 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 better. So like, like Pro Bowls matter, and, and that's why there's some discussion about it, even if the game quote unquote doesn't matter. And if the game isn't even going to be played technically this year, that it's going to go just to a virtual thing. So, so yeah, you're right. We'll, we'll be talking about it for the next couple of days, and uh, I'm sure some guys will will play this weekend uh, with a chip on their shoulder, with uh, the idea that uh, that they weren't selected to the Pro Bowl. So, um, now we'll turn our attention a little bit to the week to come. Uh, our as we record this podcast this Christmas week, it is before any injury reports are released from the Colts, so we can uh, just tell you that. The one player who came out last week, Marcus Johnson, I think it was a quad injury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, not play this weekend, but we'll see how he practices throughout the week. But I don't think he's somebody you can count on right now. DeForest Buckner still dealing with his ankle injury. Um, 
came a long way in 48 hours to be able to play from what DeForest said postgame, really being scared about it and not, well, I don't know if he said scared, but uh, just saying that he couldn't really put weight on it, that the swelling was pretty bad right away, and he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to play, but 48 hours later he did. So that's a good sign that he'll hopefully be able to do something this week. I anticipate Philip Rivers, his toe injury, he'll still be out of practice one uh, on Wednesday. Anthony Costanzo will probably be limited. Uh, if he's full participant, that's great too, but still dealing with that knee, trying to stay at 100%. But, uh, Mike, when you look at that list and you uh, take into account that the guys who are injured, most of them have played, for Week 16 in the NFL, uh, you can't complain too much about the way this Colts uh, injury list is is shaping up, uh, and that's, of course, uh, permitting for uh, issues to pop up for the remainder of this week. Yeah, and one, one just, just a caution to people who pay a lot of attention, and I'm one of them, and you probably are as well. The injury report on Wednesday and Thursday, it's gonna. I, I think it's going to be a long list because now is when you, anyway, you rest guys. You'll give a guy a day off, some guys two days off. You know, I won't be a bit surprised if Buckner doesn't practice Wednesday, Thursday. I'm not sure what the schedule is as far as Christmas and all that. But we're going to see Costanzo not practice much, Buckner not practice much, Rivers will have a day off, Leonard, Justin Houston. That's what they do. Frank Reich is is really, really good at when, when he sees the need, he tailor, he dials back practice, he gives guys time off. It's all about, yes, preparing. You've got to do that, obviously. But it's about getting to Sunday with fresh legs and fresh bodies. And, and for December, to have this be your, your injury concerns, it's pretty encouraging. When we look at the Steelers' injury situation, their fullback, Derek Watt, had a concussion, left Monday night's game. And also tight end Eric Ebron, we'll know that name with a back injury, left Monday night's game. Uh, both of those guys uh, in that Monday night loss, the Steelers lost to uh, the Bengals with injuries. So certainly got to keep your eyes on both of those two. Running back James Conner missed the game with a quad injury. Uh, left guard Kevin Dotson, who's a rookie, missed uh, this week's game with a shoulder injury. And uh, starting inside linebacker Vince Williams, who once called me swole, uh, missed the game with the uh, on the reserve COVID-19 list. He was placed on there December 10th. So he would be eligible for the Colts game uh, with a negative test, I believe, if he's ready. Uh, but, uh, Joe, you put a tweet down here from from Vince. And uh, this this is not a uh, this is not this is not a um, he was in close contact with somebody. This is like I had covid for sure. Or re- read that tweet, Joe, because that that's a special one that you found. On December 13th, Vince Williams tweeted, quote, lungs feel like I smoked eight packs of Newport's three black and milds and a Russian cream, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to laugh at his illness, but that's, that's a pretty good tweet. And uh, yeah, he was definitely feeling the symptoms of uh, COVID-19. So I wish the best in his recovery, but I just included that in there to show that just because he's eligible for the Colts game doesn't mean he'll necessarily, necessarily play if he's still feeling sick. Sure. And uh, the Steelers are already down several uh, players on injured reserve as well. Uh, very key uh, players on the defensive side of the ball is Bud Dupree, who had eight sacks on the season, and uh, Devin Bush. Both of those a pair of linebackers. Bush was the 10th overall draft pick two years ago uh, out of Michigan. And also starting right tackle, Zach Banner, former Colts draft pick, uh, former fourth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, with the Colts. The big man uh, is uh, on injured reserve as well. So they're certainly more banged up when you look at their injury report than the Colts are. Um 
And uh, we'll keep you updated on injuries throughout the week. You can check us out on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow us there for injury updates. And we'll be sure to get it out on Wednesday when the Colts release their uh, their first injury report. And uh, more come out uh, throughout the week as well. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveG underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at MChappell51. And Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Uh, so that's the uh, the social media. Now we get to the game itself. The 10-4 and Colts visit the 11-3 and Steelers. The once undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, who have now lost three games in a row. And Mike, as we were talking before, uh, we we start we hit record here. Like the Steelers are completely one dimensional right now on their offensive on the offensive side of the ball, and it hasn't been going well for them. They've scored twenty points since November twenty second. Hasn't scored twenty points rather since uh, November twenty second against the Jaguars, and uh, they're they're trying to pass, pass, pass because they just can't run the ball, and it has not been working well for them. Yeah, I was looking at the last four games. It, it, I just went back to the Baltimore game. Rushing, uh, 86 yards against Cincy was a great game for <laughs> them. They've gone 86, 47, 21 against Washington. or uh, Yeah, 14 carries, 21 yards, and then 68 against Baltimore. It's it's in what's painful, we were talking, again, before we went on the air, is with all the talk in Philly about Carson Wentz being broken, does Ben Roethlisberger look right? At all, I I was preoccupied yesterday, so I or last night I didn't watch the first quarter and a half of the game, and I tuned in and he was five of thirteen in the first half for like was it nineteen yards, seventeen yards, in in, in a two thousand twenty NFL game? Are you kidding me? Uh, so it, it's one of the reasons you know the the stats here. What is he? He's been sacked is it twelve times? Only twelve times, the fewest in the NFL. Well, he's not pushing the ball down the field hardly at all. It, it, they've taken dink and dunk to the extremes, which to him is is not really what we've what we've seen. Again, the last four games he's thrown for six hundred and sixty-two yards, and I've got five touchdowns. And I remember the game a few years ago where he threw for five twenty-two and six against these guys. So it's this is one, and we'll get into it deeper. But when you're looking at, at whether you're laying wagers or making our picks, is this one where you say they're going to get it right, they're going to come out of this, or are they in this death spiral? You just don't know. You know, the Colts are on this trend, this upward trend. I think they've won seven of nine. And with Pittsburgh, they can say all the right things. But one thing that won't show up on the injury report is a bruised ego and a lack of confidence. And offensively, they just look lost. Joe, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 31st in the NFL in rushing. They're averaging less than 90 yards per game, and they're averaging less than four yards per carry on the season. Um, who do you think their most dangerous player on offense is? It's certainly not a running back. And if James Conner even returns, then like that, that would certainly be a boost to a running game. But, I mean, that, how, how much of a help is a boost going to be right now? Who, who do you think uh, the Colts should be worrying about uh, this Sunday? Well, their top target certainly seems to be Deontay Johnson. I mean, he's got 128 targets on the season. Big Ben just seems to look at him. He also leads NFL and drops, so he might be a little self-harming as well. I guess um, Eric Ebron must have right. rubbed off on him. Sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll see if Ebron plays. He's got he's had a solid season, 500 yards and four touchdowns. But you're right. They don't really have that one go-to guy. They have a lot of pretty good receivers, but no superstar, you know, 
DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones type guy. They kind of spread it around. They got Deontay. Uh, Juju's kind of the possession slot receiver. And then Chase Claypool's really their big play threat. He leads them with 10 total touchdowns. So you kind of have to worry about all of them. But if I was going to take one away, it would probably be Deontay Johnson, just because that seems to be who Ben likes the most. Yeah, Notre Dame's own Chase Claypool, Mike, he's had a heck of a season and had just another second-round wide receiver from this class who I think uh, Michael Pittman Jr. has come on the last couple weeks. I think he's shown more promise than we saw earlier in the season. So I don't think Colts fans are quite as um, uh, impatient, I think might be the word, when you look at a guy like Chase Claypool who's had a great year with, uh, with what Pittman has done in recent weeks. But but he's certainly stepped up big. He's a big, he's a big target, and he is fast. And so if you're going to look to take the top off a of defense, uh, he's the one guy who's like 6'4 and like 220 pounds but can, but can still fly. I remember we talked before the draft, uh, boy, wouldn't he look good in a horseshoe? Uh-huh. He, he, being that hybrid guy, uh, sort of the move tight end, but, but also a wide out, 13-5 a catch, eight touchdowns. The, the stat that just shocks me, maybe Smith-Schuster's averaging 8.2 a catch. I, I thought he was a guy. That's nearly Jack Doyle territory, 8.2 right. catch. And that's that's great for Jack. I mean, Yeah, yeah. It's per- that's perfect. What Jack does. But, uh, and again, if you look at it, I think uh, Roethlisberger's averaging, like, is it 6.2 yards an attempt? That That's that's Br- Jacoby Brissett-ish yeah. from last year. So, again, this, this is an offense that's broken. But then you watch the defense, and they're still playing pretty doggone good. Uh, yeah. I realized they were going against a third-string quarterback last night, but they still get after you. It's tough to run against. Uh, this will be a game where, where, and I asked Frank about this the other day, ball security is going to be paramount. Uh, the Colts are, I think they're tied for the league lead with, I think they're a plus 12. They've had seven games this year without a turnover, the Colts have. And you go back to the Peyton Manning years. This happened once in 13, but, you just don't normally do that because you, you, there, there are times you take chances. There are times you force the ball, and sometimes the defense wins. But against the Steeler defense, you better be on, on top of your game. And uh, the the leader of that Steeler defense, even though we mentioned some of their injuries earlier, um, you, you got rid of one Watt last week, but then another one is uh, is across the ball from you. And, and Joe – if uh, if you thought J.J. Watt was tough, I mean, T.J. Watt has had a tremendous season, has really established himself right along his brother as one of the best edge rushers in the league. Uh, no question. I mean, he, he leads the NFL in both sacks and tackles for a loss. He has 13 sacks on the season. Uh, he might be the very best kind of outside linebacker in that 3-4 scheme, that pass rush outside linebacker. I think he's the best in the entire NFL. I mean, speed, strength, he bats down passes like his older brother's done for so many years. I mean, this guy is a total package, and he's a problem coming off the edge. And he gets really a lot of help from the interior of the defense, too. I'm sure Colts fans are thrilled with what they have on the interior with Grover Stewart, who just got a contract extension, and DeForest Buckner, who we spoke about earlier about the Pro Bowl snub and all those issues. But uh, the Steelers with Cam Hayward, who did make the Pro Bowl, and Stephon Tuitt, those two guys up front are really difficult. They are one of the best, quote-unquote, interior units uh, in, in the league. Tuitt has nine sacks himself, and uh, Hayward has been a pro bowler for years. He's the guy who just last year uh, was the one who uh, kind of blew up the play in the black backfield and hurt, got Jacoby Brissett hurt, really, sort of, um, in, in that game where we saw 
um, oh, what's his name, Brian Hoyer come in as the Colts very nearly got a win in Pittsburgh, but uh, but couldn't quite do it thanks to uh, the leg of uh, of Adam Vinatieri. But um, nevertheless, uh, this year's uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Uh, very similar to, to last year's with Minka Fitzpatrick as a great safety. Um, Joe Hayden is a, is a good cornerback. Um, really top to bottom, Mike, when, when you're looking at, at this defense, there are, even with their injuries, uh, it, it, it's taken away some firepower, but there are very few weaknesses, I would say. They still have guys who can get after the quarterback. They still have folks in the secondary who can who can take away the ball, even though they've only they haven't had takeaways in two of their last three games. I'll give them that. Like I said, it's been a little bit depleted. But you can't look at this defense, even with their injuries, and and feel super comfortable. I don't think um, going out there uh, on Sunday afternoon. No, this this is going to be one of those. This is like normally whenever you play Pittsburgh, whenever you play Baltimore, it's going to get ugly. It just is. The- you look bad. You'll make again. I always go back to Peyton Manning, where he said, "In games like this, you have to accept the fact that sometimes a defense is just going to win, and you can't get you can't get frustrated. You still have to realize that sometimes when they win, it's okay to punt. Uh, but then when there are plays to make, you've got to make them. And and they, you know, the Colts were right. Let's keep in mind the Colts right there last year. They they should have beaten these guys." Uh, even even with Brissett getting hurt, even with the pick six by Fitzpatrick, and Vinatieri misses a misses is not even the right word. The forty three yard field, a minute and a half to play. So uh, that that shows you that that these guys, while Pittsburgh has simply dominated this series, uh, the Colts really closed the gap we saw last year, and this is just simply a much better Colts team that is healthy. And playing pretty good football right now. Yeah, I think last year, I mean, the Colts really took a significant step forward to really, I think, combat that recent trend when you look past the past, I don't know, 15 years or whatever it is that the Steelers just owned the Colts. And it, it and was it was bad. It was it was 500 yards, like you said, from Roethlisberger and six touchdowns. It was, it was dominant wins for them. But uh, but last year really, really was significantly different. And this year, if you're looking at keys to the game, it comes to momentum. And the Colts have it. The Steelers don't. Uh, you, you cannot let Pittsburgh get the momentum. And a quick start would be great, like what happened this week. Um, Mike, I, I've heard it said in the past, coaches will say you can play a game not overly well and still win situations and win the game. And I think the Colts kind of did that this last week. Like, they, they started fast. They finished strong. They got the uh, the turnovers when it mattered most, and uh, that was that enabled them to keep their momentum with the win over Houston, and then uh, being able to win situations again and kind of keep your momentum in Pittsburgh, I, I think is probably going to be one of the most important uh, aspects to, to this weekend. Yeah, but but the thing they've got different, and it's easy to sit here and say, is when you're up 14, I think it was 14-0, and they had a chance to drive again and, and in the failed third down to, to Trey Burton, which I still say you should have caught it. Mm-hmm. That was a tough catch, but yes. Tough catch, but, you know, he's a big boy and you got yeah, yeah. And, and then who knows? So, so that's situational. Uh, I think they scored on five of their seven drives. I believe the Colts did. But but the field goals, you know, let teams hang around. And while the Colts are on a nice uptick, you simply cannot expect 
fumbles at the goal line in the last minute and a half of a game. I mean, that, if you're doing that, then you're, you know, you, you're going to be homeless for your betting in Las Vegas. But uh, at least they're making the plays. And that's the, the mark of a good team is when your playmakers make the plays. And the Colts playmakers are making the plays. You know, Darius, is, Darius Leonard poking the ball out at the goal line. That, that's your playmaker making a play. That's certainly one of the keys to the game as well would be to win the turnover battle. And Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh hasn't lost too many when you look at the season as a whole. They're second in takeaways in the NFL. They have 25 takeaways. They're first in interceptions in the league, 17. That secondary, like I said before, is dangerous. And Fitzpatrick is absolutely a guy that 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 is scary, uh, no matter who else is back there at, at any time. But but Joe, when you the easiest way to give up momentum is to give away the football. And so so I know these keys kind of go hand in hand, but um, the Colts have won the turnover play more often than they have this year, as have the Steelers. So it's kind of a strength-on-strength strength matchup there to see who who is able to do this better. Yeah, there's a lot of strength-on-strength strength matchups in this game, but you're right. In this game against a struggling Pittsburgh offense and struggling Pittsburgh team, really, I thought there was times uh, in the Monday game against the Bengals where the defense really didn't look all that great against the Bengals team that, you know, who's their quarterback right now? Ryan Finley. Um, But don't give them extra chances. Make them earn it. Make Pittsburgh go the whole length of the field. We talked about how they can't run the ball. The Colts defense I think is certainly capable of stopping Benny Snell in that uh, rushing game that's 31st in the NFL. Um, so then make Ben Roethlisberger, who's struggling, throw the ball 50 times, and there's bound to be an interception or two. Um, and then, you know, who are their big playmakers right now? Juju's averaging eight yards per catch. Deontay Johnson's, over the last few games, averaging under 10 yards per catch. Uh, Chase Claypool. Hasn't had a touchdown in like four or five games or past 60 yards in four or five games. So there's no go-to player right now on the Steelers team. Don't give them that mojo back. Don't give them a reason to believe. Mike, it sounds crazy to say the key to beating the Steelers might be to make Ben Roethlisberger throw the ball 50 times. But at the same time, with, with how he's looked in recent weeks, like that, that might be the best way to do it. Not that I, I think the run game could do much anyway, but... But if if he throws it 50 times, that might be a good sign at the end of the day. Yeah, it's funny. You're going to have, a, what, a 39-year-old quarterback against a 38-year-old quarterback. and Or maybe it's a 39, 30. I, I lose track. 38 and 39. Ben's 38. And he looks 48. He, mm-hmm. he, just look, he looks out of sorts. He looks indecisive. And he's fumbling the ball. And you're right. Any other year, you'd think that to say let Roethlisberger beat you, make Roethlisberger beat you, you'd say, well, he will. Yeah, but this isn't the same guy. And again, you just have to wonder, you know, at, at some point, you, you, really, really good teams figure it out. They, they figure out what's wrong. But when when your identity always has been being physical, which they still are on defense, but on offense, and when you can't run the ball, and they really can't run the ball, uh, it, it makes it so hard. And one thing to, uh, to point out on the defense, was there it was at seventeen interceptions. That's a reflection of 47 sacks. Yeah, yeah. When, when you speed the quarterback up, so you talk strength on strength, you're talking the, the Steelers' pass rush against a Colts offensive line that is getting attacked together on the run, and it is playing really, really well at protecting a quarterback who can't avoid sacks. So uh, really interesting to see how this Sunday game unfolds. 
Yeah, Joe, I think keeping Jonathan Taylor going and, and keeping that mo- mo- mojo going for, from him in particular could really go a long way to slowing down that Steelers uh, defensive line. I still think they're going to get back there. They're going to get Rivers once or twice. It's just what they do this year. And and like Mike said earlier, you, you got to realize that. You got to think, hey, that's okay. But at the same time, you, you can't let Rivers get blindsided. <laughs> you don't want him to get killed back there. And it, just to, to make it as... as as less threatening, that's not the right way to say it, but as, uh, anyway, as to make their great pass rush as mild as you can, uh, getting, getting Jonathan Taylor going and getting him trying to punish, uh, punish their linebackers a little bit with his running style would, would be certainly beneficial. Yeah, you got to make them worry about the run and don't put it all on Phillip Rivers. I mean, you, you let the pass rush of the Steelers just tee off on him and not even have to worry about the run. That's that's a recipe for disaster because it only takes one time, like you said, where they blindside Rivers, the ball comes loose, Pittsburgh's got it, all of a sudden short field, they score, they got momentum, and that's how the whole ball game could turn. So you got to keep the run game going. I think they will keep it going, maybe not 150 yards out of Taylor against this defense, but if he could top 80 again on 16 carries or whatever it is, I think that'll be a, a good day for the Colts' run game. I think if he gets 80 yards, it won't be on 16 carries. It'll be on 24 carries. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and again, when I talked about this being an ugly game, I think that'll turn to the game because that, that it, it's going to be tough sledding, but you have to stick with it as long as it makes sense. The stat that blew me away, he's got 80 yards, at least 80 yards in four straight games. That's the first time by a Colt since Joe had- 2007, which is crazy. Wow. And the last the last time a Colt had 80 yards in five games was a Hall of Famer named Edron James in 2005. I, I think in some games when the running game is, is getting two, five, minus one, and then you get the first down, you sometimes tend to get away from it because you're, you feel like you're wasting plays. But in this game, I think you really have to, as long as it makes sense, be patient with the run game because, again, you, you just can't expose as much as, you know, we, the Colts probably want Roethlisberger to throw it 50 times. Mm-hmm. You don't want Rivers throwing the ball 40 times. You just really don't. And, and, and in a game like that, if it plays out like that, which I think it really has a good chance to, I, what, one, one more key that I, we have to add to this has to be special teams. In a patient game, when, uh, when, you, when yards are at a premium, when points are at a premium, where you can't give up the big play to just change the momentum of the game or flip the field position of the game, a, being having a on-point special teams will be helpful. Rigo's got to punt it, got to get him inside the twenty. He's got to drop the kickoff inside the five to let that um, to let that cover team go down. Hot Rod can't miss field goals. That would if you if you get the chance to get points, you got to come away with points. I know Pittsburgh's not the easiest place to play in December for sure. Uh, for a for a for a Georgia boy, uh, get ready for the cold, son. It's going to be uh, not the best conditions for you out there. So get used to it. Get ready for it, and 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 step up to the plate there. And and I'll add here real quickly as we're talking about special teams. Perhaps another Colts Pro Bowl snub would be George Odom, who's had a really, really good year as a cover man on special teams. There's always a special teamer who's voted to the Pro Bowl. And uh, Odom leads, I think, the NFL in special teams tackles, but uh, still did not get voted to the Pro Bowl either. So, uh, Joe, I, I, I'll, I'll say that I, I think that 
one big play in special teams could turn this game. So the guys who are are paid to to make those plays need to make those plays on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and in a game with two top defenses like this, obviously people the scoring is expected to be lower, which means each play and each score just means that much more, whether it's special teams or wherever it comes from. Um, each possession means that much more. And, and this is kind of random, but might I say, I get the feeling that this is going to be a good game for Naheem Hines. I just get that feeling, you know, you try and go, uh, you try and bully the Steelers. Obviously, you got to play tough and physical against them, but you're probably not going to out-bully them. But I do think Naheem Hines and his speed, I do think he can outrun them. So I think he's going to have a big game in this one. I like that yeah. call. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. And one thing we talked about, again, being how possessions are going to be at a premium and scoring. What's going to be interesting is, let's say it's it's fourth and two at, at the seven-yard line. Does Frank think, take the points because it's going to be hard to get points? Or you, you, you need touchdowns because if you, if you let the Steelers hang around, Roethlisberger still, I mean, he showed last night. They're doing nothing, then he hits the long touchdown. All of a sudden. So it, it, it's... How how do you value three points, knowing you're letting them hang around, but knowing if you if you don't get seven, you're letting them hang around. So it'll be interesting to see how aggressive he is when it comes to getting three or gambling on seven. So that'll bring us to about Mike. He has a short yardage master in Jacoby Brissett. (laughs) (laughs) His QB sneak is unstoppable. (laughs) Nothing to worry about. Just send it behind two Pro Bowlers and Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly and first down. Easy peasy. That'll bring us to our game predictions for the week. FanDuel has the Colts at one and a half point favorites over the Steelers, which again, three weeks ago would have been unthinkable for the Steelers to be home underdogs, uh, especially in December where over under for the game is 44 and a half points. So you're anticipating like a 23, 21 ball game right around that range. Uh, that's what uh, the experts in Vegas say uh, for our predictions. I'll go first, Joe, your second, Mike, your third. Um, the Colts right now are well ahead at, uh, my dog wants to get into the action. So if you hear barking in the background, he's trying to, to, to sway my opinion one way or the other. Yeah. What's but, the, uh, his prediction? Yes. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later, but, uh, for my prediction, uh, I, I, with, with the way the Steelers are playing lately, it's hard for me to pick them. Um, it really, I know I need Chase. He doesn't agree either. Exactly. Yeah, he said my <laughs> my, my namesake Chase Claypool. No, his, his namesake is Chase Utley. But uh, nevertheless, he's uh, he's he's sticking up for for his boy. But uh, I, I'm going to pick the Colts, and uh, I'm going to say something along the lines of a. I, I'm going to go with the under for this one. I do think it's going to be sloppy. I think like a 23 to 23 to 17 ball game is uh, is to be expected. I think that it, Colts are going to have to kick some field goals. Like I said, you get to 23, you're going to kick some field goals. And uh, that's uh, that, that, That's how I see things playing out. Joe, you're next. Yeah, I see it close to you. It's a little lower scoring game, but I'm, I'm going to give them a little more, 26 to 17. I think around there is the sweet spot. I think the Colts can get three touchdowns against these guys, um, especially seeing the Bengals run all, all over them the way that they did. So, 26 to 17 Indianapolis. Mike, I've got, and I wrote it down in circle before you start giving me all the Vegas. I've got 23 21 Colts. Hey. Uh, 
which means the Colts cover and the, and they don't go over. Right. So I, I again, I just I, I always look for storylines, and the great storyline would be to win in pit with your kicker kicking the game winner, as opposed to last year when it didn't happen. So, uh, and, and again, also in Vegas, I, I think you I think you're supposed to bet that streaks continue until they don't. So uh, again, the Colts are on the uptick, and the Steelers. So until the Steelers show that they've come out of this. I like the Colts in, a, in an ugly, close game. And you can follow man, us on – go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Joe. Rather. I was just going to say, man, you guys are just laying on Adam Vinatieri this, today. It's like you guys hate him or something. Might have been the worst, might have been the worst kick of his career. Just trying to keep up with your <laughs> hatred of him, Joe. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We do thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Please download, subscribe to get this delivered to your podcast listening device throughout the week. Once again, as the Colts release more information about injuries and the like for the rest of this Christmas week, you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone to get uh, the latest updates right there on injuries and stories and the like. So I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 and Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. We'll see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.